you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Amen. If you have your Bibles today, I would like to turn with you to Numbers chapter 13. And I'm going to be a lengthy reading, so you can be seated. You've been standing today for a while. Now, I'll not keep you standing. Um, let's... Let's look at Numbers chapter 13, and I'm going to read from verse 25 down through verse number 33. Amen. Numbers 13, and they returned from searching of the land after 40 days, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. This land is inhabited. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. I love a man that's got the courage to say, It's inhabited, but let's go take it. And possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, Be not we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. I want to read that again. But the men that went up, the scouts that went out, came back and said, We're not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil, everybody say an evil report. He brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of 
great stature. Everybody say there's giants in the land. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which came of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. I want you to get that last phrase. And we were in our own sight, in our own mind, in our own imagination. We were as grasshoppers. And as we were in our own mind, so were we in their sight. I want to preach for a little bit today. I just want to pull from that in our own sight. I want to ask you this morning, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as God sees you? Or do you see yourself in all of your frailties, all of your weaknesses, all of your incapabilities or do you view yourself as God views you would you just bow your heads with me right now and I want you to pray out loud with me and I want you to ask the Lord God would you help me today to see myself the way that you see me would you pray that prayer with me right now Lord we come needing your anointing and your help this morning I pray over your people today Open our spiritual eyes to see ourselves as you see us, to look beyond our weaknesses, our frailties, our stature, our educational abilities, our financial inabilities, and God be able to see what you can do for little is much if God is in it. And I pray this morning that you strengthen your people and those that are downtrodden walk out of this place today strengthened and encouraged. Those that are weary, Lord, they walk out with faith and confidence knowing that they're doing well. In the name of Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Now, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? And would you just lift up your voice and thank the Lord today for his spirit and power we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Israel was at a crossroads in their journey. After years of travel, after some intense time with God in the desert, after some battles against overwhelming odds, they stood at the crossroads of victory. Not the final victory that they had anticipated, but the victory of one phase of the journey. They could literally look across the Jordan River and they could see the land that flowed with milk and honey. They could taste the honey, the golden and color adding some flavor to the dry, tasteless manna that God had so faithfully provided for them. Their mouths watered at the thought 
of the thought of the golden honey after 40 years eating the same thing day after day. I'm sure some were thinking, particularly the ladies, were thinking, I'm going to get a new pair of shoes. Maybe I'm going to get a new coat or a new dress. After 40 years of wearing shoes that never would wear out, God providing for them, feeding them, providing for them in the wilderness. But now things are about to change. As soon as they crossed over the Jordan River, God had prepared the land to provide for them. God no longer was going to have to spoon feed them or give them manna and quail from heaven, but now he was going to provide a land that flowed with milk and honey, and it would be the land that would be the feast and the reward for their hard travel for the last 40 years. Can't you imagine all of the excitement that is in the air when the wives were no longer having to pick up their belongings and the husbands were no longer having to break down their tents and move again, the excitement of having four walls and a solid roof over their head, no longer being nomads in a wilderness, but now being homesteaders in the land of promise. I can hear the men discussing uh, when to they were going to plant their crops when they arrived. How long will it take to break the sod? What seed will be uh, the best to harvest in the land? Boys running and yelling and dogs barking. And everywhere you turn, there is excitement in the air because all we have to do is cross over this river and we are there at the journey's end. And they're sitting with anticipation, waiting for the reports from those 12 men who were sent out to explore this new land that God had promised them. They came back. And they came back with a report. But the report was not so favorable. The report was that there is a land of plenty. There is, there are there is fruit so large that it that it was it was like nothing they had ever witnessed the land was was plentiful uh, it flowed the scripture said meaning it was not sparse but in, in the language used here saying that that the land overflowed the, the economy there was incredible it was a incredible place to 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 live and to raise family and to eat and to, to dwell and to put down roots and make permanent residence. It was, it was a land, but there is one problem with the land, and that is that the land is occupied. The land has people already living there. There's Amorites and Jebusites and there's all sorts of sites and parasites living all over this course of the land. They were in the mountains and in the valleys and, and by the sea. There were people, there were tribes and 
people living everywhere. There were, there were people. The land is occupied. And then all of the people that live there, uh, they have been nourished better than everyone else. They had, been, they had been so well nourished and they had grown. And genetically, they were larger people. The Scripture calls them the sons of Anak. He, they were the giants that dwell in the land. It was, it was the, the kind of people in the story that we read about of David that approaches the Philistine that was some nine feet tall. These kinds of people lived in the land of promise where God had given them to dwell. Israel's reaction can be found in Numbers the 14th chapter when all the congregation lifted up their voice. And the people cried and they wept and the people wept that night. And the children of Israel mourned against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we would have died in Egypt or that we would have died in the wilderness. They, they felt like they would have been better because they said now, God has brought us here. Moses and Aaron have led us here and brought us to this land where we're going to die by the sword of these men of Anak and these other tribes that are much more powerful than we are. God has brought us here to this place. But the job set before us of inhabiting this land that is already inhabited is going to leave us uh, wounded and in despair. It's going to cause that our wives and our children should become the prey after all of the men and are, are killed. It would be better for us to return back to Egypt. The Bible said the people mourned and they they murmured against them and said one to another, let us, let us rebel against our leaders. Let us make our own captain and let us return back into Egypt. There are some things that we must consider about this, uh, this humanistic plan uh, that the people of God were beginning to plot to do. First of all, they were plotting against the plan of God. It was God that had directed them. It was God that had brought them to where they were. It was God under the God that was directing Moses. Moses was simply following the leading of the Spirit. They followed a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And everywhere they went, there was manna every morning. There was provision. There was water that came from a rock that followed them. It was of a miraculous nature. And now they get here. They're not truly murmuring against Moses or Aaron, now truly they are murmuring against God. They felt their humanistic plan would be a better plan than God's plan. They're now afraid that God led them here to die by sword and for the people that are larger and greater than they to take their very own life. It was an immobilizing fear that entered into the hearts of the people. Israel had a reason to fear the Canaanites. The question is, uh, and, and always will be, what 
will we do with the report that we have been given? The report came back, 12 came, and all 12 said, there are giants in the land. It is a land of abundance. The promised land is a place that we would all love to live and love to dwell. But it is inhabited. And it is inhabited with giants. And the people are great in the land. And there were ten that were there who said they are greater than us and we cannot take them. But there were two that said, but we are more than able. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. They saw themselves as minuscule. They, 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 they had horses and chariots and weapons made of iron. They were experienced in warfare from an internal battle for centuries. Canaanites were fortified. Their cities were surrounded by walls while Israel lived in Tents. Uh, the Canaanites were bigger physically in stature. They were stronger. With all of these reasons, Israel had a right to be afraid and, and not to attack the Canaanites. But Israel had forgotten one thing. They, they had God on their side. Now the message I'm preaching this morning, bear with me for a few moments as I'm laying groundwork into what I want to speak into your life today. And that is, I, my first point is that God was on their side. And if God is for them, if God be for us, who can be against us? Oh, I want you to know this morning, child of God, whatever you may be facing, whatever you may be dealing with, you've been following God, following the plan of God, and you've reached a point of feeling like I've almost made it, but now the next thing in front of me is a simple river. But on the other side, what appeared to be my promised land is now turning into be a land that is inhabited with people that are greater than we are. You need to to stop for a moment and understand that when God is on your side, there are no impossibilities. It doesn't matter what you're facing in life. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what the financial directors in your life may be saying. I come to tell you today that if God be for us, who can be against us? Tell me who can stand before us when we call on his great name. The name of Jesus brings strength and power and provision and opportunity and healing. There is nothing that is too great for God and God is with you and God is for you and he's standing with you and he's fighting for you you're not fighting alone you came this far by faith and God's going to see you through bring you out the other side to victory Look at your neighbor and tell them God's on our side. God brought them this far. He had taken them through other battles. He had told them to claim and occupy this land. My friends, you and I are called by God 
to take territory. God did not save you for you to sit on your haunches and remain where you are. But God will provide for you when you cannot provide for yourself. And he will lead you if you will follow him. But there will be a time when God will no longer feed you manna. And he'll no longer move the mountain out of your life. Jericho came down with a shout, but Canaan had to be overcome with a fight. What I'm telling you this morning is some things. You're going to just pray and worship your way through and God's going to move the mountains. But there's going to be some mountains you are going to have to be willing to climb. There's going to be some things that you are going to have to fight for. There's going to be some things that you are going to have to go after. I know it's easier when God just hands it to us. But I promise you, before you ever get to the place that God is really trying to take you, you will personally have to decide, I'm either going to go back to Egypt where I came from, or I'm going to sit here and look at myself as weak and frail. I'm going to look at myself as a grasshopper and allow them to look at me as a grasshopper, and I'm going to die here. Or you're going to stand, and you're going to look the enemy in the face, and you're going to find a few people that will agree with you and you are going to say in the name of the Lord we are more than able. They're bigger than us. They're greater than us. But they're not bigger than God and they're not greater than God. I'm going to go and fight and we're going to go and win because if God's for us, who can be against us? God's called us not to occupy physical property but Nonetheless, God's caused us to claim and occupy some territory. Most of the time, we're afraid of the unknown. It is frightening to us. Much of the time, our reason for being afraid are legitimate and real. Let me tell you what fear will do in your life. This is why the Bible tells us we walk not by sight, but we walk by faith. The reason we walk by faith and not by sight is because faith can move mountains. But sight can magnify the mountain. Fear will cause you to have a doubting heart. Israel had forgotten all of their previous victories. The parting of the Red Sea. Maybe they mistook God's discipline for grumbling and disobedience and thought God had forsaken them. Can I speak to somebody today and tell you that God may allow you to go through some tests and some trials that don't feel good and don't taste good? It doesn't, it's, it's not pleasing to the flesh, but God is allowing you to go through it to prepare you for the real fight that you're going to have to battle before you get to your promise. There's some things God will just do for you. The hardships of the journey mingled with God's correction seem to make trusting God, this invisible God, they're trusting an invisible God to fight 
a visible enemy, a much greater task than ever before. Stay with me for a moment and imagine faith allows us to trust an invisible God for a visible battle. They are giants. We are grasshoppers. This is how we are, we are seeing it in our own mind, in our own sight. This is how I view it. We are but grasshoppers. They are but giants. They are men of war. We are people that's been nomads wandering in a wilderness. The hardships of the journey had caused God, an invisible God, that was making himself known and visible to them through many different miracles and things that he was doing. But they had become so accustomed to the miracles that God was providing for them that they failed to even see them as miracles. Forty years of waking up every morning rolling the tent flaps back and walking out and picking up heavenly manna that God had provided had caused them to forget that it was God that was providing that for them every morning. They were receiving a miracle every morning. That's why the scripture said his mercies are new every morning. It's a great comparison to the manna that was provided for them. See, we get up every day and say, oh, I just wish God knew where I was. His mercies are new every morning in your life just like the manna was new every morning in the lives of the children of Israel. Never think you're alone. Never think God is not providing for you. He will give us our daily bread. Oh, I know you feel like it's because you worked for it and you were faithful to work and we grumble about the overtime and we ask God to bless us with more things and we get more overtime and we grumble about overtime failing to recognize that perhaps God is working out and answering your prayer but he's saying I'm going to cause you to have to put some effort with the prayer because faith without works is dead God is understanding. I could just provide manna every morning for you. I could cause a rock that could, that could give enough water for six million Jews to, that follows them around through the wilderness. And, and this water is flowing out of a rock. I don't know how large the rock was, but it's large enough to be able. It must have been like a pipeline gushing, gushing out of this rock. It had to be uh, quite a large rock. And everywhere they go, when they go and look, that rock has followed them. But they feel like they're alone. The sun rises in the heat of the noonday and they begin to grumble about the heat and all of a sudden the cloud of God comes over the top of them and gives them shade and begins to move and they move under the shadow of that cloud. This is a miraculous thing that God is directing them. 
And then nighttime comes, and all of a sudden, in a distance, they see something that looks like a burning pillar, and that pillar begins to move, and they get up and follow the pillar through the wilderness, and they're following fire through the wilderness, and God is providing. Everywhere you look in the story, God has provided miracles for them. Now they get to the edge of the promise and look at the giants that are in front of them and say they're greater than us. I would to God we would have stayed back in the wilderness. Forty years of miracles, not one, not two, numerous miracles. Shoes that didn't wear out for 40 years. Clothes that never, that never worn out. Moses lifts the serpent in the wilderness. And you know the story. When he lifts the serpent up in the wilderness, everybody that looked up was healed and the snakes could have no effect on them. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And it's just happening and they had become so accustomed to the miracles of God they failed to understand that when they faced giants it was just going to be another one of God's miracles because they were following the leading of God and God had brought them there all they had to do was be willing to suit up and take what little they had and go after the giants it doesn't matter what weapons they have it doesn't matter how good their horses are it doesn't matter what weapon because no weapon formed against us is going to prosper it doesn't matter when the doctor says no it's hard to trust an invisible God with a, with a visible cancer or a visible sickness it is hard to trust God but would you look around every day mercy's new every morning miracles everywhere I turn he woke me up today he blessed me with a sound mind he gave my family breath he gave me daily bread what is it that I can't trust him now perhaps this doubting heart caused them to forget oh yeah by the way we even got on this side pray tell me doubter Pray tell me how you're going to get back across the Red Sea. Because it was a miracle from God that parted the waters, that delivered you out of the land of bondage. It was, and all of those who were chasing died in the same thing that God used as provision for you. Oh, can I just speak? I feel a ministering spirit in the room right now. There is somebody in the house today that may be feeling like turning your back on God and going back to the old life of where you came from. I'm going to tell you today, you need to look at where God has brought you from and how you got to where you are. You may not feel like you've arrived, but it took a miracle to get you out of Egypt. It took the hand of the Lord. It took blood on a doorpost. It took the hand of God. It took a wind blowing back the Red Sea. It took a miracle to get you to where you are. God has brought you here. You followed God through the wilderness. God is not going to leave you now. You need to stand up and look around you and see the miracles. Every day, He daily loadeth me with 
benefits. I see his handiwork. Everywhere I look in my life, I see the handiwork of God, his blessings, his power, his strength, his provision. Oh, but they're giants. They're bigger. They're fortified cities. They're greater than we, but not too great for my God. The issue is they suffered from a distorted self-image. And they suffered from a distorted God image. Your self-perception is the foundation on which you will build your future. If you see yourself as a grasshopper in their sight, Everything in your future will be held back from you until you get a proper view. The battle is too great for us. We will never be able to win the victory on our own. The only way that we can make it is to trust the God that brought us to where we are. The distorted self-image is the issue that we need to first deal with. And that is understand that everything in your life is a miracle and a blessing from the Lord. A distorted self-image. Oh, look at all of the things that I accomplish because I am so smart and I am so wise and I have worked so hard and I have saved so long and I have been so wise. Distorted self-image. It's because God gave you wisdom, because God gave you strength, because God directed your footsteps, because God was at work in your life, because God gave you favor, because God opened a door of opportunity, because God gave you the right connection, because God gave you the right spouse, because God protected your children, because God protected your health. I do everything you can for yourself. Don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching against eating right and taking care of your health, but I'm telling you, God can do for you what you never can do for yourself. A distorted self-image, I'm greater than I really think I am. And now when I face something that is greater than me, when I face a real giant, see, it's easy to feel like a hero until you have to fight a giant. And when you fight a giant, you will get a, you will get a, re, a reality check if you are trusting in the flesh. They are greater than we. That's flesh. 
They are stronger than we. That's flesh. They have fortified cities. That's flesh. All their all of their weaponry is great. Swords made with iron and spears that are that are so great and so large. Their statue, flesh, 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 flesh. But when we get the right image of God, God is saying, "I will not put more on you than what you're able to bear." In every temptation, I'll make a way of escape. God says, "I'm with you always." Even to the end, God just keeps giving us his word, saying, I'm there. Get the right image of God and the right image of flesh and understand it's too great for me. But with God, I need a Joshua and Caleb to say, but we are more than able. But we're more than able. But we're more than able. Stop seeing yourself as a grasshopper, but start seeing God as the almighty, as the great I am, as the ruler of the universe, as the one in charge of the healer of your disease of the mender of your broken heart. See God high and lifted up and exalted. Oh somebody put your hands together and magnify the Lord. The issue with Israel is they had become double minded. It's how they saw their self. They had become double minded. They had one eye on the prize and the other on the world that they had come out of. A double-minded man, the Bible says, is unstable in all of his ways. The issue with Israel is that they had kept one eye on their world that God had delivered them from and they had kept the other eye on God. That's why the scripture doesn't say to keep your eye on the prize. But it says to keep your eyes. No double-mindedness. No double vision, no double sight. Keep your eyes on the prize because when you, in order to really focus, you cannot look at two things at one time and be, well, maybe I've met a person or two that could. Might have dated a girl like that one time. Just kidding. But in order to focus, it requires both eyes to be to come into one thing. And somehow in your, in your vision, there is the ability for the two eyes to adjust and focus. And together they are stronger than any one eye would ever be. When you zero in on your focus, get your eyes off of who you are in your own eye. And start focusing on who God is. When Isaiah... He said, in the king that in the year that King Uzziah died, then I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He had to 
get Uzziah out of his vision in order to see God exalted like he really is. Come on, CLC. We got to get our eyes on the prize. We got to get our eyes on the harvest field. Quit thinking about everything that's wrong in your life. We got to start thinking about souls that need saved. We need to start thinking about, oh, don't think about your family falling apart. You need to start thinking about an opportunity for God to rescue your family, to save your lost loved ones. Everything in your life comes into clear vision when you focus on God. I'm almost done. I'll be quickly closing. The task is greater than we are. There are real giants that are bigger than we are. Some of the promises that God has spoken into some of your lives are so big that it's going to take a miracle for it to come to pass. Come on, I can speak from experience this morning. I have visions of where God wants to take this church and what God wants to do in our future. And I start calculating, if I'm not careful, I'll start calculating how many years of health and strength and sane mind, and that's the worst part there, that I have left into my future and start thinking there's no way we're going to get this done. There's no way. We're, we can't on our own. But without a vision, we're all going to perish. we got to have a vision of where God wants to take us to. Our ministry is greater than we are. It's, it's greater. Sometimes I'm preaching and God will drop things in my mind. And I'm like, wow, where did that come from? It came from God, dummy. I think, wow, I must have read that somewhere. No, you didn't. It was the inspiration of the Holy Ghost that came and spoke it into your spirit. Quit thinking that every success in your life is because of you. Get your eyes on God. Quit seeing you as the one that's got to fight the giant and start recognizing God's for us. We're more than able. We're more than capable because when God is with us, we will not be defeated. God gets the glory when we accept a task that is so large that if God doesn't undertake it, we will be taken under. That's when God truly gets the glory. Abraham was called to go out, not even knowing the land that he was going to take. He had to trust God to tell him every step to take until he finally told him, this is your land. God, you expect me to go out into a land and you're not even going to tell me where I'm going? Abraham went out by faith, the scripture says, not knowing where he was going. God said to Abraham, when you get there, I'll reveal it to you. I'll tell you once you get there. But it will be in my time, Abraham, not yours. The issue is, is that you must be so uncomfortable 
in your present circumstance that you were willing to risk everything you have where you are to go after your promise by faith. Because as long as you are comfortable here with God giving you manna every morning and shoes that don't wear out, it's, it's not too bad. Not really. You're not having to work for the food. God's blessings, miracles everywhere, so many that you've quit counting them as miracles and start expecting it. It's hard to trust God when we see giants and see ourselves between the promise of God and the giant. God never ex expected you. He never asked you to put yourself in the equation. Humanity, flesh, we, the, the issue is, is we have to fight to get ourselves in our mind out of the equation. Because you, you never will be able to. You're not, you're never going to do it. We've got to take ourselves out of the equation. As a matter of fact, we need to quit looking at ourselves, how we see ourselves. How we view it is not as important as how we view God. Do you understand that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord? If you believe that this morning, that means that God has ordered your steps to be where you are. Everything in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the things you don't like, God has ordered your steps. If you're a good person, God has ordered your steps to bring you to where you are. I challenge you this morning to take yourself out of the equation and quit looking at yourself and at the promise that you feel God spoke and say, I'm never going to do it. I'm giving up on that promise. People who give up on their promise are people who are trusting in themselves. But I think I read somewhere, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Oh, He's never going to leave you. Come on, I'll take myself out of the equation. He just says, stand still, I'll fight the battle for you. Can somebody in this house this morning stand to your feet with me? And just remove yourself out of the equation and say, God, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of all of it on my own. i got to take myself and my thinking out of the equation. God, I want to go to the place that you're promising. And I'm trusting that you're going to lead me there. Lead me, God. Here I am. Take, take me by the hand and lead me, Lord. I'm just going where you want to go. Lord, I'm just going to follow. Watch. I close with this little, this, with the ending of the story when God provides and he makes a way. The priests that take the ark and they take it upon their shoulders and they're going to lead the children of Israel across the Jordan into the promised land. 
10 said they could never make it. Two said they can. They're prepared for whatever they have to overcome. They take, they put the ark on their shoulders. The people are lined up. Bedrolls and tents are packed up. All the utensils and supplies and kids are in tow. Families are waiting. There's one problem. There's a Jordan River, and the Jordan River is its swollen state. The Bible says that the feet of them that bear the ark, when they place their feet into the water, the water would roll back and they stood firm on dry ground. I want you to get this picture with me. That means that they had to take a step of faith with the river still roaring and rushing by, a sudden and sure death for every person that was going to follow them into the river. But God said, step into the river. And if you'll step in, trust in me, I'm not going to move it before you step. But when you step, every time you start to step, I'm going to move the water. And when you step again, I'll move the water. But be assured, your feet are going to stand firm on dry ground. But you've got to have the faith to trust God and take the step. It's your message this morning. I delivered what God put in my heart for you today. If there's somebody in this room struggling, I dare you to take the first step this morning and just say, I'm going to step out by faith. I'm just going to step forward by faith. I don't know what may befall me, but I'm trusting God. I'm standing on His Word. Come on, trust Him this morning. We make miracle work.